0: Open source craft. Open source runs the world, and we speak to the people who shape it. I'm Greg Pollock and I'm here with Robert Grossman. Robert's been working with Big Data as a scientist since 1988. He's a faculty member and the director of the Center for Intensive Science at the University of Chicago, which is where we are right now. He's also the founder and chief data scientist of the Open Data Group, which builds predictive models over big data, and he's also the founder and director at the Open Commons Consortium. And much more impressive things that you've done in your career. Um, the more I'd research that I did, the more I was like, how in the world did I get this interview? Um, but you did big data before it was called big data, I believe.
1: Yeah, that's correct. I did a number of early projects. One was uh, in uh, uh, it was around eighty uh, four to 1988 or 1990, where we, created a large database of the solutions of uh, equations of motion for uh, aircraft and other kinds of things. Mm -hmm. And so I studied for a while, could you create better solutions uh, and um, uh, approximations to solutions by storing um, the actual results curves in a database? So we use some object-oriented technology, uh, what's what's called object stores. you know, object-based storage, um, at that time it was pretty new and there wasn't a lot of open source software or no open source software to do it. So that was my one of my first projects. A few years after that I worked for several years on the superconductor supercollider uh, that they were building in Texas and we did an architecture for working uh, with very large data that was going to produce petabytes of data which in, you know, in, the early, in, the, in the 90s was a lot of data. -hmm. And um, that's now sort of more or less the architecture they use for the Large Hadron Collider. So those were two of my early projects um, in the uh, early '90s to about '96. Nice,
0: nice. And then that led to a bunch of things. Um, So I tried to figure out what Data Commons is. Can I try to give a definition? You can let me know if I'm right or sure. So. Data Commons involves two components, I think. First, it's having like a data set, a large data set. But it's not just about these terabytes of data, but it also involves... The second part is sort of, you know, that being on a hardware that runs on tools. So it's about the data, and it's about the tools that you can need to use to sift through the data. And so it allows for easy analyzing of that data. So Data Commons allows researchers to use those tools to analyze big chunks of data. Is that what that yeah, is? Yeah,
1: that, that's, that's, that's essentially correct. Well, okay. So the data commons um, came about because the, the, the paradigm that many data science were using where you, you go get the data, you download the data, and you work locally with it broke. And it broke for a few reasons. Uh, it broke, first of all, because, you know, as data gets bigger and bigger, it takes longer and longer to download it. It also broke because, um, uh, you know, for certain types of data, for biomedical data and healthcare data and other data that's very important for research, Mm -hmm. it's quite hard to set up the necessary security and compliance um, locally. It can take quite a while. It can be quite expensive. And uh, the, the third reason it broke is because the tools and services, you know, tools to um, assign IDs to data, to access data by D, to work with data by to work with data by a metadata service, etc. Uh, those weren't easily available. You had to set those up, and all the analysis tools. And um, the, you know, the fourth reason is because, um, uh, you know, a lot of data is analyzed collaboratively now, and uh, uh, you know, the collaborative environments were sort of distinct. So a data commons sort of is designed, it's an open, you know, we do open source data commons. That's what I, uh, I'm, I'm sort of passionate about. And a data commons co-locates the data, as you said, the storage and computing, and the um, ID services and other commonly used services that you need, as well as the tools and applications to analyze, integrate, and share the data. And so we've built a number of data commons. We've built them with open source technology. And um, our model, um, you know, um, is to sort of host a certain amount of data and then make it easy for people either f- through co-located uh, cloud computing or, or, or uh, public clouds or academic clouds or applications, but somehow to expose through an API um, the data and these services so that they can build Open source applications, they could sort of uh, analyze data in, in clouds, either on-prem or in public clouds, in Amazon, Microsoft, or Google, or any of the other public clouds, um, and sort of, um, you know, um, analyze data that wouldn't be easy for them to do if they had to sort of set up local environments and set up all the tools. And so that's, that's really what a data commons is, and we've built five or six of them um, by, at this point.
0: Oh, I'd love to hear. So I know there's the Genomic Data Commons, which is right outside this door, apparently.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, so right. So we're pretty excited. So here at the University of Chicago, uh, we've built. Uh, we have this. Not only do we do we build Data Commons, but we have uh, what we call a, 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 a CSOC in the same way that. Um, you know, you have network operation centers or NOCs to operate high performance networks and to operate networks. We operate multiple commons, and so we have groups of people who we set up service and operate multiple commons. We call it a, a CSOC, a Common Service Operations Center. And so outside there, it's one of the probably the only one in the world. It's a CSOC. We operate the NCI Genomic Data Commons there. We operate a data commons for NASA with environmental data called Project Matsu. We operate a data commons for NOAA um, with uh, additional, with other environmental data. Um, and we um, operate a, 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 the, um, a, a data commons for general data called the Open Science Data Cloud. And we operate a, a data commons for uh, liquid biopsies, um, which I can talk about, uh, called yeah. Bloodpack. Um, but it's all, we do this in conjunction with a, a not for profit called the Open Commons Consortium. They sort of are are set up as a neutral not-for-profit to bring data together from multiple different organizations. Mm -hmm. Um, They set up all the data usage and data contributors agreements, they set up a governance, a data governance structure, they manage the software, and then we sort of operate them with the CSOC here. So we partner here with the Open Commons Consortium to sort of build these commons for the research communities.
0: Okay, for the research community. For the research community. Can you give me maybe some really you know, like some good customer stories of people of what this enabled some customers or researchers to sure. do? Sure.
1: Yeah. So um, we we the our largest commons is the NCI genomic data commons. Uh, it's uh, has over five petabytes of data, and it it contains um, over fourteen thousand cases where we have a. Uh, t- uh, we uh, someone has biopsied a solid tumor um, um, and um, sequenced it and um, analyzed and done a number of molecular assays with it. So they have a lot of data on it, as well as sort of the, um, the normal um, uh, molecular data associated with that DNA someone was born with, et cetera. And then so we have what's the disease molecular, uh, molecular data and the normal molecular data. It's, a, it's almost, it could be half a terabyte to, uh, close to a terabyte per patient. That's how we get to uh, five petabytes. Wow. And um, then we, con- we, re- we analyze that data with a number of different pipelines, so it's easy for scientists to sort of uh, um, um, get access to the data and do their own analysis. Uh, we sort of do the heavy lifting to sort of pull out mutations and other uh, uh, genomic variants that uh, relevant to understanding cancer and making uh, advances in cancer research, cancer genomics research.
0: Okay, Can you give us a specific?
1: Yeah, so um, uh, they, they, over a thousand to 1500 users use this a day and they do all sorts of uh, research with it. Uh, one of the ones we're, uh, you know, we and a lot of others are looking at this data and instead of, you know, we'll do uh, machine learning to look at the raw data and without knowing where the tumor comes from, you know, whether it's an ovarian or breast or pancreatic, we'll just analyze the data um, and cluster it. And uh, we do this um, among multiple different data types using a number of different techniques. But then the it, it sort of gives you a new way of of looking at the data where um, you can see that there's certain certain um, uh, tumors at a molecular level look quite, quite close to each other, even though they might um, both, you know, one might be ovarian, one might be breast, um, one might be esophageal, one might be stomach. Um, and then tumors that are from the same organ, which, um, you know, might look the same on histology, look quite different um, molecularly. And so it's, and this is important because Drug targets for different type of tumors um, can be designed based not where the tumor is, but how, you know, its molecular structure, which gives us finer ways to target tumors. Sometimes that's called precision medicine, where you use the molecular structure to sort of um, find drug targets to go after specific types of cancer. So that's the reason that we bring this data together and analyze it. So we're beginning to do that. There's a lot of, you know, a lot of other researchers uh, who use this data um, in lots of different ways.
0: Okay, so that's the National Cancer Institute genomic data commons. Can you give us another example of a big data commons sure. and one story
1: about how it's being used? Yeah, so um, we've worked uh, with data from NASA um, to build an environmental data commons, which t- took uh, data from one of um, uh, NASA's oldest satellites, called EO-1, it's it's actually it's long, long past its shelf life. We have a lot of data from it and other NASA satellites in our Environmental Data Commons project, Matsu, and also the OCC uh, NOAA Data Commons. And um, there, uh, we um, make this data available to the community. But it's one of the applications people build over that. And this was all done you know, primarily by NASA with some help from us, but um, you know, where there's not a lot of good data available, but where, you know, um, uh, satellite data can be very helpful Is in, for example, in particular, in sort of, um, understanding the likelihood of floods in, in Africa where they don't have sort of the infrastructure we do that in the U.S. And so the data in there, the people have built flood dashboards to, um, sort of get, um, um, likelihood of, of, of floods in countries like Namibia using, um, Using the uh, Project Massive data commons, and so uh, wow. you know you could, and you know uh, floods are still a major call, uh, uh, major cause of death in certain parts of the world, like in uh, Namibia, and so this is sort of data science. Sometimes they call this data science for the social good, where you could sort of easily um, build you know, not so easily, but you know with the data there and standard machine learning, you could build predictions of floods, and we have a flood dashboard there. That's built that, that we support. Um, uh, so again, as I mentioned, it's a project with NASA.
0: Yeah, that's great. Um, so where do you think? Uh, well, so you're part of the association. What is it? The uh, Open Commons yeah, Consortium. Yeah, five
1: hundred one C three, uh, not for profit. So, w-
0: in your work with that, what are you trying to do through it? Like, what are your initiatives currently with that yeah. consortium?
1: Oh, I'm really glad you asked. I mean. We're trying to do two things. We're uh, we're trying to build uh, a community around the open source uh, data commons platform. Okay. And so what what is what is the platform? The platform is a is a way to build a data commons. It's our <laughs> third generation result. Um, um, so here's how you build it. Here's how you build it. But then, more importantly, um, each of our data commons platforms exposes an API, and so we're really interested in reaching out to the open source community in at least two ways. The first way is, you know, we, we're building some of the largest data commons out there. Mm-hmm. You know, it's hard to get the software right. We'd love to work with people, you know, with um, skills in, um, in um, uh, you know, in the back end for DevOps. And we sometimes call this analytic ops or bio ops. You know, when you it's, it's, it's like DevOps where you combine development and operations, but we call we combine large scale analytics with, uh, uh, to, uh, with operations. We call it analytic ops. So, and when we mm-hmm. apply it to biology, medicine, healthcare, we call it bio ops. So, we're interested in people who could help us build out the, the data commons platform, you know, who know DevOps, who know bio ops, um, and want to help in strengthening that platform, add some of the core services, et cetera. So, that's number one build a better platform, help us uh, push out Gen 3, the Gen 3. Uh, data commons platform um, and over time work to Gen 4. Um, But number two, um, which is sort of um, a a little easier, I think, in some ways, is through this API, we build uh, data portals, we build uh, for browsing data, we build um, data uh, portals for submitting data, we build uh, systems for analyzing data all over our APIs. Those exact same APIs Available to anyone in the world, so we were interested in people who will build interesting apps over this data mm. um, through these APIs. They could be, you know, they could if they have access to a public cloud or, you know, something they could put uh, they could put an application up there and they could access data from um, uh, from one of our commons. And so uh, um, there's a um, uh, there are some grants that have been awarded recently to people who are building interesting apps over the GDC. Mm-hmm. But any of these, you know, it's, a, it's something if you're familiar, you know, we have a, a, okay. a, a RESTful API with a, Exposes JSON, you know, with standard techniques and we expose a data model, you can build an interesting app. And this sort of one of the apps we built was to sort of, Look at the misdiagnosis of two types of cancer: lung adenocarcinoma, squamous cell carcinoma. And we did it in R, and It's a kind of cool app, but people anyone can build apps like that.
0: <laughs> so um, let me see if I can if I understand yeah. you correctly. So it's really about um, you're looking for people who can help you with helping define the infrastructure that these data commons are built on. So all the different. You know, the the platform, the software, how that communicates the with each software.
1: other. Mainly the software. Build out the open source software.
0: Right. So that it makes it easier and easier for anybody who, you know, wants to provide access to a large amount of data and allow people to work against that data. Right. Here's a platform you can use to put it up and you know, it has the built in communication, built in APIs so that anybody can get access to it. That's that's great. And then also on the other side you're saying about developers who want who are interested in the data That's might right. have a passion taking a look That's at right. it so they can dial into the API and build their own apps on top of it and basically innovate right. using this data in new ways. And I sense that you feel there's a lot of innovation in the future to be had. I,
1: I Exactly right. I mean either help us build out the platform, we're you know we're trying to for the first time it's mature enough to create a, a community who wants to build out the data commons platform. And then Part of the ecosystem are these apps, and you know, people could be very creative as they build these apps.
0: And it's not just about researchers. That's right.
1: <laughs> so, you know, and the, it, we have you know, they can build apps over the environmental commons, over the biomedical commons, and we have this general scientific commons. And so, um, you know, I, it's it's a very cult, it's it's changing. You know, it used to be you know, people get so used to the idea download a small data set, you mm-hmm. know, run something solve a contest, and, you know, um, I, I I think, you know, there are real data sets out there mm-hmm. that will be exposed in these commons, and I think people can make, you know, really interesting combination, uh, contributions in the open source world, either to building better and better data commons so it's easier and easier for a project with data to set up their own commons, or to build these apps if you have a particular scientific question or a particular um, you know, a particular uh, app you want to make available to someone. So for example, you know, we and others are, are studying the relation between the presence of particular matter in the atmosphere, say in the U.S. or anywhere in the world, and the impact on health. And so as that mm. data gets available, you can sort of build your own app to sort of analyze that. You know, one of the things we're thinking of doing is um, I guess this is the third way um, once you have these commons, you know, the other thing you could do is you could donate data to the commons. And so um, we're trying, so here's one of our projects. I'll throw it out. I think, I think it's a good project, but we'll find out. This is one of our projects. So the, the um, we, uh, it's, if there's a big effect in data, it's, there's not, it's very straightforward to find. Um, but, at, you know, With large data sets, there are also interesting small facts that are small facts in the statistical sense, but nevertheless may be important. And the thing with that, with a small fact, is it may require the accumulation of data over time. And so one way to think of how you could participate is what they sometimes call a citizen scientist, is um, you can um, contribute data. And if we're trying to study a small fact, say we want to quantify the presence of particulate matter and how many cardiovascular diseases, or something. So if you're just, a, you know, if you're in a hospital um, and you, you know, the, the counts of, of diseases is not, uh, you know, if, as long as there's a certain aggregate size, so you can't sort of go back and by chance reverse engineer who it might be. Counts of diseases are not is not is not uh, protected health information. And so what we could do is, you know, there are these low-cost sensors to measure particulate matter. And so anyone can set up a low-cost sensor next to a hospital and submit data about the incidence levels of certain diseases and submit it to a conference. And wow. that's, you know, that you need a little knowledge. You have to be part of the healthcare community. <laughs> but right now, n- there's none of that. Okay. And in, certainly in the, uh, the, um, When the flood prediction, you know, people submit weather data and so on to commons. And so I think the third way is for these things where we really don't have enough data and it's a small effect that may have societal benefit, we sometimes call this translational data science, using data science to impact the broader world outside of science and engineering. The third way you can get involved is, you know, you could join one of the projects and submit data. And over time, as more people submit data, mm-hmm. it will change what we can do.
0: Wow. Okay, so the question I have for you is what data exists out there that needs a commons?
1: Well, that's, that's so a good you'd question. You'd really love to get
0: into a commons.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I throw that out to the people who listen to this. <laughs> you know, We've been, you know, we spend a lot of time learning how to build these. You know, mm-hmm. I, I sometimes think of commons... Like pancakes, you know, you have to get a recipe, and you know even the even with a recipe, the first uh, one or two pancakes you build you you make it on a Sunday morning, you might have to throw out. So we've made you know a bunch of commons now. I think we're getting better and better, but we'll get better the more we work with the community. And so, um I think as it gets easier to build commons, there're gonna be more opportunities to create commons. And it's you know I think people will figure out uh, uh, what kind of commons will work best for a community. Okay, the,
0: but you've got to have something where well, you go like, oh my gosh, if these people would just put this data in this accessible well, place.
1: Yeah. So I mean, I'm very, very. This is a call and, to action. Yeah, Someone's listening. A these them. days, and we're setting up as others are um, in in healthcare. We, by and large don't have the data that we need to make good decisions for patients. And so there's a general, right now, the data is out there for the um, the providers. The people who provide healthcare have the data. Mm-hmm. And over time, and, you know, I think my call to action is for patients, you know, when they have a particular disease, they care about themselves for them to, use our infrastructure or one of the other infrastructures to donate their data to science and you know you have to you have to be consented to do this but that is going to change the way we do medical research because once a patient donates the data for a particular research project it really provides the the sort of the depth of data we need and that can't be done through a third party it has to be done by the patient so if you ask me, what's in healthcare, what's going to be one of the most important changes over the next two to three years is for patients to be able to donate their data to uh, data commons do we use I, it do to use use in a secure and compliant way. There are a number of uh, projects out there. There's something called Patients Like Me. We're going to interoperate with this in our commons, so you can begin shortly to be able to uh, contribute data to some, some of our biomedical commons. Um, and it's something people should be look on the lookout, and I think that that's really going to, for the first time, change how we, uh, uh, the, it's going to give us much deeper data. Right now the data tends to be very shallow because it tends to be reported by a particular provider for a particular treatment, and you can't understand disease from one, from one episode at one provider. Mm-hmm. You really need the, um, a, a long, deep understanding of the data. Okay.
0: Um, that's probably a good segue to the next piece. Um, I have a quote here from Maria
1: Patterson. Yes, okay.
0: She said She was uh, one
1: of our uh, data scientists who worked with us for several years.
0: She says, um, Oops. Bob sees real connections and commonalities in data intensive work and has an authentic desire to make things easier for scientists of all disciplines by enabling them with technology. Getting scientists to operate on the same page is a little bit like herding cats, probably worse. But Bob has an incredible ability to take input from a wide variety of sources and egos, process and distill that information in real time, and build it into a coherent plan that, surprisingly, everybody seems happy with. She says, thanks for taking the risk of hiring me. An astronomer whose experience with clouds was primarily limited to (laughs) things that got in the way of observing the sky.
1: Yeah, I I think, so Maria worked with us for several years. It it was wonderful working with her. She worked on some of the, uh, she worked on the environmental data commons, and she worked on some really important algorithms to understand geospatial variation of data at large scale. Um, She brings up something else that, uh, you know, I think we have in open source over the years has, you know, has picked up certain sort of, common sense rules about what creates a healthy open source community. And then in data, it's, 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 it's similar but quite different. I mean, to build a data commons is not about the data, it's about the community of the scientists and researchers who use it. And so I think anyone in our space who builds data commons, we build it for translational data science so that data science can be applied to problems that are important to, to human welfare in society like uh, biology, medicine, healthcare, the environment, um, and you know a wide variety of other uh, uh, problems. But a lot of it is, I think we're still learning how to create that community of the researchers who are able to, u- to use the tools, use the commons, contribute data, contribute tools, all in the name of creating research and the way we think of research these days is the research open, is the research reproducible, is the research repeatable, mm-hmm. and is the resource, uh, you know, I think uh, sort of bring additional evidence that will get stronger over time. Because with big data, it's easy to make big mistakes. <laughs> and so what you, one of the re- ways, you know, one of the projects we're going to start is to allow data commons, you know, with data commons today and containers and virtual machines and workflow languages, you can keep the code that people use to analyze the data. And so instead of necessarily thinking that research is taking a particular hypothesis, validating it, and then moving on, um, you know, that's fine if the, what you're looking for is easy to validate, but a lot of problems are quite complex, quite, um, um, uh, quite complicated, and, and um, the effects may be quite small but important. So, we think of a, of a paradigm emerging in which you leave your data in a commons, you leave your tools in your commons, you leave analysis in the commons, and over time, evidence for certain things accumulate, or it also, there may not be enough evidence. And the evidence, which you think look pretty compelling, may get more diffuse over time. And so, negative results, you know, aren't usually published. But in data science, they're extremely important. So commons Mm -hmm. allow repeatability and reproducibility in an open science way of positive results, Mm -hmm. allow weak effects to uh, evidence for weak effects to accumulate over time, and give you a resting place for negative results, where sometimes are essential.
0: So how do you make sure when you're building out your commons that the people you give access to? are going to take the time to show you the results in a way that builds the community.
1: That's part of building the community. I think we're still learning. You know, one of the things that um, is is beginning to be done, we assign IDs to all our data sets. And those IDs are how we analyze it so the data can move around. But you could refer to it in any commons that connects to another commons through what we call peering. But in the same way that their digital object identifiers are attached to publications, We could attach digital object identifiers to data sets, and we could also have these we also have these IDs to data sets. The importance of that is creating a data set is is an important part of data science. And as people use that data set with these IDs, it becomes citable. So part of your legacy in science is are you leaving data sets that are impactful in science? You know, I I remember trying to tell stories about data and trying to find some of the original data sets for Mendels P's or, you know, Copernicus' understanding of uh, orbits. And a lot of these data sets aren't around. So, you know, the papers are around, but not the data sets. (laughs) So, you know, I think it would be, you know, what you hope that commons give you robust ways to keep data sets. And we don't know what the future will look like. So one of the most important aspects of a commons is, can you get the data out? Because if the data doesn't... Get out, and um, this is one of our principles. You know, it can't be sort of left to the next generation of commons because commons change over time. And so the exportability of data is a really important part of uh, building a good data commons. It makes a lot of sense.
0: Um, so with being part of the – what are you doing these days with the Open Data Group?
1: Um, I, I'm the – you know, I, I, I started the company in 2001, I'm the chief data science for it. You know, for a long time, all this software Open Data Group did um, was open source. Um, right now, we also have a product. Um, and Open Data Group was, worked in this uh, area. It's part of analytic ops. It's the area of once you build a statistical model um, or a machine learning model, um, how do you deploy it efficiently in a large enterprise? Mm-hmm. So, open data worked with large companies, and you have to deploy it in a large enterprise. So, we, we built what were called analytic engines or scoring engines, which um, uh, you know uh, 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 software like R or SAS or SPSS or um, sci, uh, you know um, uh, any of the machine learning libraries can export uh, uh, a model, and then you would import it into one of these engines to make it easier. To, just to, uh, to more rapidly deploy analytics in a large enterprise, and I spent time building a couple standards for importing and exporting models to make it easier to move from your favorite, you know, f- favorite software, whether it's TensorFlow or or R, to into analytic engines. Okay. And so that that's what Open Data Group does. Okay. I've
0: got one more quote for you. This one from Allison Heath, she says, I'm continuously amazed at Bob's vision to see, and to see years down the road, both in terms of technology and advancing scientific discovery. When I first arrived, many of our systems were named after famous Chicago architectures, and one of the most famous is Daniel Burnham, who's attributed with saying, make no little plans, they have no magic to stir men's blood. While I might slightly object to the men's blood part, Bob definitely makes no little plans, and the result has been very inspiring to me to truly make change in the world. Unlike Burnham, Bob has done this while remaining humble and accessible, giving opportunities to to people to grow and to learn. I would like to thank him for just being one of them.
1: Yeah, Allison was the, uh, until very recently, the technical lead, uh, to the NCI uh, Genomic Data Commons. And so, you know, this is the largest data commons in the world. She did a, a spectacular job um, developing the NCI geno- uh, GDC Genomic Data Commons. Um, she recently went to CHOP, the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, mm-hmm. where she's building data commons there and oh. doing pediatric cancer research. In fact, you know, one of the, on the, on the research side for it, the development of commons, One of the things we're going to do is we're going to begin to work with um, a data commons associated with CHOP, a data commons here at the University of Chicago, and a data commons in Toronto that holds international data for cancer. And we're going to try to build a large-scale distributed data commons um, because, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of biomedical data, um, for for a variety of reasons, um, um, you know, It's not a federated architecture where there are going to be data commons everywhere, but I think there are going to be some large-scale data commons that are going to need to interoperate, and we're going to do that between Philadelphia, Toronto, and Chicago. So we're looking forward uh, to working with Allison in the next phase of her career. That's great.
0: What else are you really excited about?
1: Um, You know, the most, I think what, I'm most excited about is is trying to, you know, we're looking for people to help us who know how um, open source communities are built. We're looking for people to help us build communities around open data and data commons. Mm -hmm. And it could be controlled access data. It means you have to sort of sign consent forms if it's biomedical, or it could be environmental where there are no consent forms. Mm -hmm. But it's open in the sense that if you, if, if, you're all, if you sign the right forms you can get to the data and then so we want to build these communities um, and I'm looking forward to building these communities with volunteers and you know, building out the platform, building the communities, building out the apps and mm-hmm. over time hopefully that people want to submit their data.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, so given, given your time and your the last 20 years working on this stuff. When you think back, stuff you learned the hard way, is there anything that comes to mind that you wish you would have known five years ago, 20 years ago in your career? Because it seems like not only have you been able to just, it seems like you've had a lot of success, influenced a lot of people, made a big impact even in just the the open source world, in the open world, in um, research and mentoring these students.
1: what advice would you give someone? Um, if you had to do that I you mean, the older I get, the less advice I give. I mean, the, the the one thing I think is we've talked about some of the things that have worked out well and have, have had some impact. Um, you know, we could have spent a lot of time. It wouldn't have been as interesting, but a lot of the projects I tried did not work out. And, I, you know, you have to take risks, and you have to take a long point of view, a long-term point of view, and, you know, we kept... You know, for 25 years, I've worked on how to make data-sharing platforms easier for researchers to use at scale. And, you know, we failed a lot. And, you know, it, you know if you, this is not always easy to do, but if you work long enough on something um, and keep getting it better and better, you know, people will generally, most people will remember the successes, because most people give up after a failure or two. So I, I think the one advice is, you know, it's it's easy these days to think you you should work for a year or two, you know, have an exit and then go on. Um, but there's also room in the world for the, you know, for the other point of view, which is, you know, to take a 10-year point of view, keep pushing away, and occasionally good things happen. And Neither one or the other is right. They're both sort of complementary to each other, mm-hmm. and I think the world is stronger for you know embracing both of those models. And in, in, you know, both short term and long term, you're going to have failures. Um, you know, hopefully, most people re- think back on their successes, and you know, don't worry too much about their failures. I've had quite a bit of failures, so you know. Uh, I, I, you only need one or two successes to justify quite a few failures. <laughs> All right. Is there
0: anything else you wanted to talk about?
1: No, I, I'm very excited. Um, you know, we're uh, we really want to welcome open source uh, community people getting involved with our project. So, thank you so much for this opportunity. Yeah. This was a pleasure. Yeah. Thanks for being here. And. Uh,
0: Hopefully, I'll get a chance to explore more of all of the data that you're providing uh, available to the world. Um, and also the data commons. So, I think that was really interesting to explore. I had not been wearing any of that stuff. So, thanks. Thank you. Appreciate it.